Our first lesson for today is taken from the 21st chapter of St. Luke, beginning at the first verse. It's unusual we have two gospel readings, but that's okay. Jesus looked around and saw rich people dropping their gifts in the temple treasury. And he also saw a very poor widow dropping in two little copper coins. He said, I tell you that this poor widow put in more than all the others. For the others offered their gifts from what they had to spare of their riches. But she, as poor as she is, gave all she had that she lived on. The Gospel of the Lord. And again, reading from Matthew 14, 13 to 21, a rather familiar text. It appears multiple times in various ways throughout the Gospels. This one version. When Jesus heard the news about John, he left there in a boat and went to a lonely place by himself. The people heard about it, and so they left their towns and followed him by land. Jesus got out of the boat, and when he saw the large crowd, his heart was filled with pity for them, and he healed their sick. That evening, his disciples came to him and said, It's already very late, and this is a lonely place. Send the people away and let them go to the villages to buy food for themselves. Jesus said, They don't have to leave. You yourselves give them something to eat. All that we have here are five loaves and two fish, they replied. Then bring them here to me. Jesus then ordered the people to sit down on the grass. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up to heaven and gave thanks to God. He broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. Everyone ate and had enough. Then the disciples took up 12 baskets full of what was left over. The number of men who ate were about 5,000. My favorite line, not counting the women and children. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Let me give you a proper introduction. First of all, I'm usually sitting next to my wife in the pew back there. Okay, I am a Lutheran pastor, and our nearest Lutheran church would be a three-hour round trip, and we decided to come here. We were very thrilled to do so. First of all, Presbyterians and Lutherans are full ecumenical and communion partners, uh, which means we get along just fine. We have, you know, we have Calvin, got Luther, hey, let's do lunch or have a beer, whatever. But uh, I am a Lutheran, so if you occasionally hear something that may be a tad bit unusual, it's my Lutheranism coming out. But uh, anyway, I've been in the parish ministry uh, 25 years, serving uh, all the way from New York to Texas. That's why I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. Um, I was in Churchwide, which is a the big church, I worked out of Chicago, was our headquarters, for five years doing stewardship training and awareness for the southeastern United States, including uh, the Bahamas, 
Bermuda, the Virgin Islands. You know, it's funny. Every winter, God, I heard him calling me, must come to the Virgin Islands, you know. <laughs> and, and I always did. But I, I thoroughly loved that work. As a matter of fact, this morning's sermon is going to come from that. And then the last five years, I was the assistant bishop to the Southwestern Texas Synod. That's what we call our geographical areas. We have 56 synods. That sounds German, doesn't it? Um, in the Lutheran Church. And ours was the Southwestern Texas Synod, which was Brownsville, to Georgetown, Victoria, all the way out almost to, uh, well, somewhere way out west, Laredo, somewhere out there. But anyway, I uh, did, um, I was in charge of the call process. So obviously I know what you all are about to go through. Also, I did stewardship work and uh, thoroughly enjoyed kissing babies and tending baptisms and just, you know, it was wonderful being the assistant bishop until the last two years when the other assistant bishop had a horrible accident and I had to assume her responsibilities and I took over congregations in crisis, pastoral misconduct, and parishes that are angry at the ELCA. It was lovely. I was ready to retire and uh, Karen and I had the opportunity and we both retired um, 10 years ago. And we've been coming here now for five years and as I said earlier, we're in the process of uh, transitioning to uh, full time here, but we're still in the process. Anyway, the uh, text for this morning is probably one of the most common stewardship texts uh, you'll ever hear. I don't know, I've been around and believe me, this is a big one. Um, <clears throat> it's pretty straightforward. Jesus is out there and you know, he's preaching to this great crowd and uh, the disciples, you know, as the gatekeepers of what's going to happen, made this horrible discovery that it's time to feed the people. And I guess that they'd have to go down to Almogordo to the local seven, to the McDonald's or something, because they were out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, so there was no quick way of picking up a bite to eat. And Jesus said, well, why don't you uh, gather them all together? And he gathered up what they had, which was, you know, five loaves of bread, two fish, and you know, that wouldn't feed anybody in this room, probably. Well, maybe a couple of you. But uh, anyway, he says his prayer, and they start to distribute the food. And by George, there's enough food to feed everybody. As a matter of fact, there's 12 baskets full left over. Who knew? Okay. And they fed 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. <laughs> Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> well, there are lots of different ways to interpret this text. Uh, of course, um, if you're not part of the stewardship department of the ELCA, you might go a different direction with it. Jesus is the source of life, and he's showing how he pours himself out to the world. No problem there. Uh, Jesus has amazing powers. Okay, well, anybody who can heal the sick or raise somebody from the dead or walk in water is certainly capable of taking five loaves of bread and two fish and, you know, feeding 5,000 people, probably more like 10,000, okay? Um, and for those of you who are very uh, high church, okay, um, some of us are, uh, this was a foreshadowing of Holy Communion, the, the giving of the Eucharist. And that's a sermon I don't give very often, I guarantee you. But uh, yeah, there are, other, there are proper ways to look at this, and they're all good. But none of them compares to the proper way 
that the stewardship department of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America has come up with for this one, okay? And it might sound a bit heretical to you, but we're Lutherans, so we're used to it. The, uh, here's the question, and think about this for a second. Is it likely that these people, and remember they came from towns and villages, this, you know, is it likely that they came with no food? I mean, let's say you're, you've heard that there was some great somebody over here about 20 miles away, and you're going to be out in the middle of the, you know, White Sands, New Mexico or something, okay? Uh, more than likely, you're going to pack your, your Yeti cooler with, you know, six-pack of beer, some salami, loaf of bread, whatever you, you like to take with you on such a trip. More than likely, there was lots of food at that event. But it, suddenly, you know, when Jesus said it's time to eat, everybody, well, you know, I don't know, if I, share, if I share what I brought, let me see, did I make four sandwiches or five sandwiches? There might not be enough for me and my family. Remember, we're still counting the women and children in this department. Matter of fact, it's probably the women who made the lunch, okay? So everybody's kind of sitting on their hands like, I don't know, okay, well, Jesus, hmm, you know, he's calling them. They're not willing to share what you know, they brought. And there's a real scarcity mentality. Or more politely, less politely put, selfishness. Well, I think Jesus picked up on this pretty quick. The kind of guy he was. And uh, he was going to set the example. And he took, actually, he, he took what was given to him by the disciples, this Poultry amount of little food, you know, five loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And he blesses it and he says, okay, we're going to, I'm going to share with you everything I have. Well, lo and behold, it would appear that the people watching him do this kind of shamed him in a way. Realizing that if this great speaker, this man from God, is willing to share all that he has, which is really very little, Maybe it's time for us to open up our, you know, ice, ice cooler or something and share what we have as well with all the people around us. Which raises the question, what would be the greater miracle? Okay, the feeding of the 5,000 that Jesus could multiply these loaves and these fish and they somehow miraculously multiply as they get passed out to all the people and wow, another great Jesus miracle. Certainly he's done plenty of them to impress everyone. Or is the greater miracle that occurred that day is that he converted selfish hearts into generous hearts. People who were not necessarily willing to share, but now were converted. And they did share what they had. And lo and behold, when everybody shared what they had, it turned out they not only had enough for themselves, they had more food than they could possibly imagine. Twelve baskets full of food. And I don't know how big baskets were, but I suspect wherever they were, that was to you know, convey, that was a lot of food. So from the stewardship department of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the greater miracle that day was taking stingy, selfish hearts and converting them into generous, giving hearts. Now, if you read scripture, I know you all do, okay, uh, this is a pretty common theme 
that Jesus has. I just, I didn't have right time to read all three of them, so I just gave you one, the widow's mite. Okay? I mean, here are people, you know, you know, hey, here's a couple bucks for you, you know, it seems like a big deal because they're rich. And here comes this lady who has nothing, and she gives everything she has. Jesus is basically raising the question, who was really more generous? Who had the more generous giving heart? The people who were fabulously wealthy who gave scraps or the widow who had nothing and gave everything she had. There's other examples. Uh, the Good Samaritan. Yeah, that's one of my favorite stories. Uh, you know, this poor man's you know, beaten up and all the, all the good proper people walk right past him. And then here comes the Samaritan. And I don't know how well you know your scriptures, but a Samaritan was the bad guy. They were thinking, oh my God, this poor man's really in trouble. This Samaritan is going to take him whatever he has left. And yet the bad guy turned out to really be the good guy and made all those arrangements for his care. Or then you had the example of the prodigal son. Another example of gracious, undeserved giving, an open heart. You know, here's the, you know, the son that goes out and squanders his father's wealth. And then, of course, he ends up living with the pigs, and we know the story. And he comes back, and everybody thinks, well, you know, he'll, maybe he'll get to live with the pigs with his dad. And his dad comes out and puts shoes on his feet and a robe around his shoulder, and he shows exemplary forgiveness, charity, love. He was generous in heart. Stories like this in Scripture abound. Here we are now in Thanksgiving, and uh, this is a, a great time for us to remember just how much that we have, okay? I mean, all of us are blessed beyond measure. I remember there was a little exercise we had with the congregations that I used to serve in the southeastern United States, and where do you think you stand in terms of wealth in the world? And they had this, you know, somebody's always coming up with something on a computer, and you type in your income and what you make, what you think you're worth, and most of us think, well, we're pretty middle class and, you know, whatever. And then you push this magic button on this computer, and it shows you that all of us in this room are probably in the upper one one-hundredth, and the top one one-hundredth of income and wealth in the world. All of us in this room are wealthy beyond measure. And we have so much to be thankful for. As I mentioned earlier, I was involved in the call process. That was always interesting. It, it truly was. I, mean, I know what you guys are facing, and I don't envy you. You're going to have to fill out some kind of form that who you are, you know, what's your vision for ministry. Uh, and it's important. I mean, it really is. And there are, other, there are pastors who are filling out their forms. You know, this is my vision of ministry, and this is what I want to see happen. And then there are some people, where did you say, Louisville, Kentucky? Louisville? Louisville. You know, they're going to come together. In my case, it was Seguin, Texas. And, you know, they come together, and at some point, hopefully, something like this is going to match up, and they're going to find somebody that will serve you well. They certainly did. I mean, I'm still in a state of shock about Tony's leaving. I'll tell you, he, 
just as an aside, he gave some of the best sermons I ever heard. And I have heard thousands of sermons in my lifetime. And his were undeniably the best. Sometimes a little unusual, I'll give you that. But they, they, they were the best, okay? Okay, well, the call process. Well, I go and visit all these congregations and discuss with them the various processes of what's about to happen. By the way, I'm getting back to my point. And I go into some congregations. Hmm, what's the first thing they talk about? The budget. Mm, things have been kind of tight lately, all right? Or they talk about their building and grounds, the rules. Did you know that those Boy Scouts, okay, were in our fellowship hall last week and created a horrible mess, and what are we going to do about them? Okay, or maybe... Uh, the candles aren't, you know, the liturgical type. Uh, it should be a little bit further over. It's over here. We're not exactly, oh my gosh, you know, can we have this color on this Sunday? <laughs> if I ever get to preach here again, I'll tell you about a Christmas Eve we had in Conroe, Texas. But anyway, <laughs> gatekeepers, rules keepers, people can't see past their nose. Interesting working with them. Then we have congregations who heard the message of Jesus, who heard the message about opening your hearts, not being selfish, but being generous. Congregations that uh, get involved in the food bank, clothing drives, daycares, people who are thinking about not just themselves, but what can they do for others to show in word and deed the love of Christ. Guess which of the two I take you to be? Certainly the second. Since I've been coming here, Karen and I have been coming, you know, it seems like every Sunday, there's some good thing y'all are doing, you know? The food bank, backpacks for kids, uh, the High Mountain Youth Project, I don't even know what that is. Uh, the racetrack ministry, I know what that is, okay? Uh, you guys are collecting coins right now for... Uh, a Presbyterian uh, ministry that assists people, I'm sure, around the world and in communities and stuff. You know, I've, I, I, I come here, okay, we're small in numbers, but you're big in heart. And I think that's the most important thing to remember as you go forward. Now, I'm not going to kid you. You've got some challenging months ahead of you. And I think you all should extra, have an extra prayer for time over here. Okay, and that's the truth. I mean, you've got to come up with uh, all kinds of things now that maybe you took a little bit for granted, you know. But, you know, like little things like having somebody here this morning. Uh, you know, just so much stuff that has to happen. So as many challenging days as you have ahead and introspection and thinking about who you're looking for and who you are, keep up the good work that you've done. Keep up that generous spirit. That will surely come through all of your paperwork that you're going to do when they ask you about who you are and what you are as a congregation. Okay, May that always be in the forefront. Keeping up the good work that you have been doing all these years in the name of Christ. Because truly, that's being generous in heart. In Christ's name, amen.